welcome to TSE Talks, where I share and reflect my lived experience within the dense matrix and systemic programming, awakening through the role of parent-caregiver, loved ones affected by tuberous sclerosis complex, observing and integrating traumas and the limiting beliefs they spawn that keep us from knowing our own truth of who we are as divine beings. Thanks for tuning in. Today is part two with Leanne Bianchi of Good Citizenship Project and special guest Carla Bell. Please enjoy. Thanks so much. Yep. It was great. And of course, the waitress, Olivia. Again, shout out to Olivia at Antonio's. She's awesome. And she's so good. Everybody I bring in there and, and she treats them like they're supposed to be treated, mm-hmm. like a human and not a human with special needs. She just <laughs> treats them like a human. Right. And uh, I walked away and he's like, she's pretty. And I was like, oh, here we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> he gets never- to go be be a young man. He gets to go be a young man. Yeah. 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 I People forget that just because someone's got a diagnosis it doesn't mean their hormones go away (laughs) and on more than one occasion I've had parents talk to me about oh my gosh like he was staring at this girl as she rode a bike by him and I'm like good (laughs) no he shouldn't but that's evidence of the behavior of someone his age he's a guy forgive me but he's got like gonads there's hormones coursing all through that body. Oh yeah. It's they're at their peak. You're a pretty girl. Yeah. He should be noticing someone that's attractive to him, whether it's a guy or a girl, I don't care, but it's good that he's noticing because it yeah. says he's progressing in that area in along with his peers. And that's something he can mm. talk about with his peers. Oh, I saw this pretty girl at the restaurant. Right. You know, oh, he, it's, yeah, it's, we heard about that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, having been trained, you know, at an earlier time when working with the special needs population was just that working with the special needs population instead of just saying, you know, I support someone and they have Down syndrome or whatever. Initially, topics are like about sex and and body parts and relationships were really, really taboo. So once I started over at Seven Hills, I started signing it for every possible. And if any population needs. needs it, these people, these, this pop, any pop where they're at a disadvantage, like, and there might not be interpreting signs. Socially, and right. socially yeah. yeah. It's, it's just. It's, at, it's, it's a vital, it's a vital importance, especially some disabilities like, oh, I can't even think of it. Willie syndrome. They're overly yes. friendly. They'll run up to anyone, the hug them. Party personality. Yep. And they're in danger, you know, until they yep. learn their circle. You know, the, the the mailman is not your best friend, you know, like that. And it, that is exactly. so important. You read too many stories about those people, about people being taken advantage of well, with Down syndrome or whatever. So Maybe. someone who is physically 25 maybe developmentally more like 12 and, you know, every Monday gets home from school or program and watches mom watch general hospital. Mm. And what do they do on general hospital or or Grey's anatomy? I love Grey's anatomy. 
I mean, those people are having sex every every time you turn around. I watch those shows, but I get it. And they're having inappropriate relationships with their boss, and you know, it's all yeah. clandestine and right. So we now have someone who's developmentally 12, but has the hormones of someone who's 25, and they want to do what they see on TV and they don't understand why it's not okay. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, because no one talks about human sexuality with someone who's got an IEP. No, nope. they're too worried about. Let's go back to the whole. Can you tell the difference between blue and green? No. Sorry. <laughs> I don't care if you can tell the difference between blue and green. I care if you can tell when someone is not exactly. enjoying. Yeah. Can you read um, the signals? If I take you out to karaoke, which is something I'd like to do with Jack sometime. Oh my uh, gosh. He would freaking love that. And you bartender and order a drink. And then when you give her the money, your hand lingers a little too long on her hand and she pulls it back. Is that going to ruin your night? Or are you able to understand you behaved inappropriately? You made the bartender uncomfortable. Don't do that again. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. It can and can you talk about it openly? I, I used to call them dashboard confessionals. We, you know, I'd be driving around in the car and it's funny what happens when you're driving. All of a sudden you can have conversations with people that you wouldn't have sitting face to face. Totally. You don't have mm-hmm. to make eye contact. There's stuff that you can you can look out the window at the, you know, the trees going by or, or whatever. It takes the pressure off. And you know, that's when the conversations about penis and vagina always come out you know oftentimes it starts off when in the summer the horses that are male their penis will drop down because it's hot right 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 and and they're like what's that like that's penis and every time the first time I answered that question just like that they're like she said penis well yes I say penis all the time and vagina too and breasts and we can talk about sex and clitoris if you want to, because if that's what you need to do, then I will do that for you. Let's have this conversation. And then it, like I said, dashboard confessionals. Well, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, my penis gets hard. Okay. Well, that's called arousal. Just and very matter of fact. In a way. Yeah. They haven't my had mom a lot. I know. Yeah. I, I had some direct talk too, and I appreciated that, that, you know, they, they haven't had a lot of the programming, at least because they weren't, at least my son did pick up on a lot of the nuance and the, and a lot of stuff that like, I just feel like they're so fresh and pure in some ways. And yeah. At (laughs) one point I worked with a young man who referred to it as his noodle. Poor thing. Just kidding. Almost, almost 30 years old. And he's referring to it as his noodle. Mm. No, no. Absolutely not. Under no circumstances are you. Oh, <laughs> no. Well, doctors, pediatricians tell you when you have children, when they start to ask those questions, always use the scientific word. It's always penis, vagina. You never make up names. I, you know, Pet names. I, I can't stand it when some little kid says my wee wee. No, that's not what it is. Right. You always, always the right, you know, yeah. scientific. And, and And here's the problem later on in life, especially if you're at some sort of disadvantage developmentally, intellectually, whatever, if you're still talking about your noodle Mm. and 
a certain a circumstance comes up where someone needs to interview you and ask you about your penis and you don't know what a penis is now there's a problem or if you're if you start talking about how you know oh well scott touched my noodle so it's a big deal go get another noodle Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so I don't know. I yeah. like I said when when I had the opportunity at Seven Hills to take all the trainings, I you know I took like autism and sexuality and sexuality in the workplace and relationships on the spectrum or something like that. I did everything I could take. I did because let's face it, we all could use refreshers anyway, and it's so important to be able to talk to somebody candidly, frankly, mm. take away the the stigma and take away the shock value of it and just say, please don't touch my breast. Mm -hmm. That's all. Not bad. Yeah, not a big deal. Saying it out. And I don't, it's, it's hard to describe, but I don't have a problem. You know, again, I have been doing this for a really long time. So there's been situations where I've been in the company of someone and they reached out and started to unzip my jacket and I'm okay with that. Like, what do you want to see the shirt that I'm wearing underneath? Do you like playing with zippers? Does it sound cool? See, there's those why questions again. And, and then it turned out that the person just wanted to see my breasts because he's a guy and he doesn't know the appropriate way to say that or act. So then the hand went on and I just looked, I'm like, please don't touch my breast. And then I moved his hand. That was it. Yeah. No big deal. I didn't file an incident report. I didn't, you know, make a big deal out of it. I let mom know that I used the right. word breast and this conversation was had, but it, they're people. They're Yes. <laughs> they just haven't, they don't know. They They haven't had that. <laughs> lived experience education educate well, yeah. yeah and their, their lives could their lives could be ruined by by one totally state just like what you just described that, totally. that would be it yep. oh, yeah and i have had to sort of reverse some of that you know with people that come to me and then you know like i said i would i would wait to read the file and then so we do the intake and they're going to start at the program and everything's great. And, you know, you'll be on the life skills track, whatever. And then I read the the file and it turns out this person is a registered sex offender because, you know, they were fondling a 14 year old when they were 21. Hmm. Five minutes spent having a conversation with this individual and, and it's absolutely clear that there was no knowledge of what was happening and it could at that point it could have been argued that the 14 year old person knew more than the 21 year old person mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in my in my yeah. opinion took advantage of the situation knowing that the 21 year old person was going to get in a lot of trouble it's tragic it is it, it happens too often especially but, when you get again you get that population leaving high school mm-hmm. hormones are raging they see their peers behaving in a way. I mean, I heard stories of 11-year-old girls p- performing oral sex on the back of the bus, you know, yeah. and 
being fully aware of what they were doing. It wasn't one of those things where like, I'll give you a lollipop if you. Right. They, they were like, hey, let me do this. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Younger and younger. Oh, my so goodness. Much, yeah. I mean, I was 11 and a boy tried to French kiss me and I was like, what is that? And he's like, that's my tongue. And I'm like, ooh. And now they're giving blowjobs on the back of the bus. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? And, and, and in the bathrooms too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I had a conversation with the young lady about that. And I said, so, I mean, I'm glad you didn't have actual sex, but why would you do that? Oh, because I can't get pregnant. So I can do that and it's fun and he'll still like me, but I won't get pregnant. Mm. Wow. Uh, Key words. He'll still like me. Yes. Yeah. But it's yeah. fun and everything, and I'm—I mean, it's well, it's okay. powerful. True, you're right. You can't get pregnant, and I'm glad you're having fun. You should be having fun at 11, but that's not how oh. I would. Um, it was the I want to keep him. That what what Jill said. He'll still like me. Yes. Yeah. 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 Who cares? Um, and that falls back on the society that doesn't really allow for a lot of candid conversation about sex. Carla, you met Judith. Jill, I, th- I think you did too. Yes. When we had the clinic at the farm. Yep. Yep. So, you know, she's from Germany and often she will sort of re- the cats back. I will f- refer to this, this prudishness that we in America have and, and why sex is such a big deal, but at the same time, not such a big deal like we give it away all the time but yet won't talk about it um it's ridiculous and, and yeah europeans have it really a is. lot more um open-mindedness i'd say or tolerance to, yeah. it's not it's not so extreme i think that's what you said already it's just not, yeah it's so, so and same thing I mean, I remember being maybe four or five and my Italian grandfather and German grandmother would, you know, get out those little demitasse cups or the sherry glasses and they'd give us all a splash of wine at oh, sure. dinner. Why not? Right. <clears throat> we're doing, you know, and let us, like my grandpa would always give me the cherry from his Manhattan, which explains why I would fall asleep so easily at their house. But anyway. <laughs> I have one more question for you before we end. Yeah, we should probably get back on track. No, I wanted to know about how people pay for it, because I I think that that's, you know, how do if someone wants to, I know a lot of people have funding, you can pay out of pocket. I think the ideally you get the funding, I think, which is what I've Um, been doing, doing. And so, yeah, and now with one of the benefits to autism being the new up and coming diagnosis to get is that it has raised a lot of awareness and agencies like DDS are actually recognizing as it being something separate from other diagnoses and other challenging symptoms. So, you know, back when, let's see, I worked at South Bay Mental Health, probably in like 2000. 10-ish. And we would get a lot of referrals with adults that had autism. I'm going to kill the cat. And uh, Don't do that. <laughs> not today. I'll let them okay. live another day. So they, they would be 
an adult and they would be diagnosed with autism and they would get referred to us, but DMH didn't want to pick them up because it wasn't a mental health condition. And DDS didn't want to pick them up because their IQ was too high. So yeah. it wasn't considered a learning disability. So, you know, what are we, this is so 12 years ago, even it was still not acknowledged as an actual condition needing a different approach. So now here we are in, in like ADD a few years ago, and now everyone's saying, oh yeah, this kid's got autism just because he is hyper or whatever. But the benefit to that is that now it's opening up tons of funding mm -hmm. and there's agencies like Wraparound Family Services um, who will step in and they will help you get support and they act as sort of like the clearinghouse for whatever funding you're getting through DESE, which is Department of Ed and Secondary Ed. Did I say that right, Carla? Yes. Yeah, okay. So DESE is Department of Education yeah. and Secondary Ed Education. So those are for the kids who are still kids and haven't left, moved on to DDS. And I believe Wraparound Family Services even supports you past 18. So that when you're doing the transition into DDS, then you've got public partnerships who is also funded through DDS and they support uh, families who choose the person participant directed programming, which is now everyone, especially since COVID, everyone's like, oh, wait, my son or loved one can't go to day program because nobody goes to day program because COVID's everywhere. So I got to figure out what to do with him during the day. Yeah. And they have the self-directed. And so public partnerships, take, again, is like a clearinghouse or a conduit for those finances. So literally I'm signed on with them and they cut me a check every other week, just like any other human services agency would do. Now in those two cases, the budget is determined by a bunch of factors that I don't quite understand, but I do know it has to do with level of care needed, hours per week needed, mm -hmm. even what part of the state you live in, all that kind of stuff factors into it. And then my hourly rate is determined. I have a family that is utilizing public partnerships at the hourly rate that was lauded is woefully low. So the family supplements, supplements by paying me cash on top of it. Then we have private pay people like my good friend, Jack, who, uh, and you've gotten creative. So you might want to talk more about how you got funding for that. Yeah. I counted the DDS. <laughs> yeah, I just, but you're not using, what? like, you're not doing self-directed, you're, not yeah, well, he's only 20, so I'm considering that, though. Flex spending, flex pay. Flex yeah, spending. so it's flex, and so, yeah, I don't know what umbrella they put it under. Julie Kelly said that, that they have lots of money, and to, to ask them, and so I sent an email saying nobody's answering the phones at the local DDS, and I copied in the area director and um, the assistant and they called me in like 10 minutes and the guy was so apologetic. I had given him an email about what pro about your program and he wanted to hear all about it. And he offered, you know, he offered more money. So now I know how to do it before yeah, I was glad to get, yeah. Oil. So 
So I mean, there's there's lots of options. At one point, I was I well, I guess I'm technically still signed on with Stavros, but they are no longer acting as the um clearinghouse that Mass Health was using. But and that that's just a change in agencies. But basically, what that was is this family was using the PCA funds to pay. Oh, me. okay. Mm-hmm. So um, Mass Health approved a PCA for the family, mm-hmm. and then the family utilized those funds to pay me. Okay, I've and heard then about again, the like entered on top of it. So, I mean, it's and you know, I try and balance the need to pay my bills, feed my horse. You know, and you don't ask for a high. I mean, I feel like you should get paid like 10 times as much for the, what you're bringing mm-hmm. to the table. Truly, truly. So, well, my fund, my, my hourly rate has gone up. It's now at 30 an hour. And that's partially because of people like you and Carla going, what are you doing? You and, and Julie Kelly was like, you're crazy. You should be charging so much more. And I'm like, yeah, but if people can't afford it, there's plenty of people. There's people though that uh, there yeah. are, but there are plenty of people who are, you know, not necessarily able to swing thirty dollars an hour. And I am, like, I say that I start at thirty, and I do charge the mileage and you know reimbursement if we go out to eat. But I'm I'm not locked into thirty. And if someone needs the services and and they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do it because I charge thirty, then I'll work with them. You know what I mean? And it's. I was a single mom. I know what it's like, and I'm not here. Yes, I I've appreciated that. Does does um, Medicare help at all? Does Medicare pay for services? Men, no, no. I I know because because in Vermont everything is is Medicare paid for services. So for, if Medicare has a program where they will reimburse you for services that you've gotten you might be able to do it that way uh-huh. uh, but right now particularly since i don't have any letters after my name i'm not an md i'm not a bcba oh, right 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 and none yeah. of those things i can't i'm not recognized as a service mm-hmm. it's not like when you go and get physical therapy or get occupational therapy or right, right, right. aba services oh. even even in-home aba services if you look at the books, it's billable, but only because that in-home ABA therapist is being overseen by a BCBA. So in order for me to be recognized as an agency or a legitimate service by any insurance company in Medicare, Medicaid, MassHealth, I would have to have some letters on after my name. Um, so that's a long-term goal, but right now it's just me. Yep. Yep. And so many people, Carla, you included have said, oh, you know, you should go nonprofit. And that even is not very attractive because becoming nonprofit would therefore make me, I'd have to answer to others about my choices my pets, you know, if I were to say, say, if I were to fall under the seven Hills umbrella and seven Hills approached me and said, you know, come be part of us. You can be the good citizenship project yeah. at seven Hills. Then strings attached. 
Right, oh, right. Johnny would have to be a certified therapy horse. If for me to bring my dogs anywhere around the people that I support, they would have to be certified therapy dogs. I probably wouldn't be able to use Ralphie because of breed discrimination. You know, I don't have any DNA tests, but you look at him and most people naturally assume that he's in the bully breed. He probably is. He might be a lab pit, uh, boxer mix. I don't, I don't know. Um, I got him from a shelter. I choose not to find out because I don't want those problems. Yeah. Out of the, out of the two dogs, Shelby is, has more fear-based aggression, which is still very low. And I've had them temperament tested just so for anybody who's listening, but Shelby, it has more fear-based aggression than Ralphie. I mean, Ralphie seems to know that he's big and has a big mouth and therefore is so confident that even, you know, the horse is coming at him or another dog. He's just like, Hey, how's it going? Whatever. I'm fine. (laughs) Um, Like, well, Jack's met him, right? Did you, he was in the car once, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. That who that was. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, he comes around, I bring around everyone because he's just, he's like the forest gump of dogs, you know? (laughs) So cute. He's incapable of anger, cruelty, aggression. He he just doesn't have it in him. He's just sweet. But to become a nonprofit or to get hooked up with one of those bigger agencies like HMEA or Seven Hills, I'd have to go through so many hoops to be able to continue to have people around these animals, which would be very expensive. And it would also make me beholden to them. So that all my choices about going to like Jesse's farm where, you know, the log splitter, do you, Jill, do you really (laughs) know? No, No, sir. No. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. I see that. Would, yeah. They would laugh me out of the room if I ever mm-hmm. suggested that I was going to take Jack over and let him work a chainsaw. <laughs> oh yeah. I was wondering, yeah. I was wondering how he got away with that when I saw Jill's um, PowerPoint presentation. See, to me, that's power just tools, the way but, it should go, but oh, absolutely. I mean, you read, you read that he became, I mean, you read him that he'd be capable of something like that. And that's something that happens on farms. Mm-hmm. And he, I, I loved that, yep. but I can see that. What about like investors? I think you'd, you'd still encounter like the strings attached, like B Corp type. You would have to depending be on the investor that like was a philanthropist. Like, yes. Hands off. Yeah. Or some money. You know, that's why I took the chance with Camp Marshall. They've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a 4-H camp. So it, being associated with 4-H means it's more than just horses. You know, 4-H Oh yeah, is you know, and the FFA, they're farming community based. So I, I'm I'm taking that That's chance great. and trying to hook up with Camp Marshall because it is 4-H. Because as as an organization, 4-H recognizes the benefits to the skills gained working on a farm. I mean. You know, Julie Kelly and I were talking about this. Carla, I think I touched on it briefly with you as well. And I hinted at it with the whole thing with Phil Philbin and slave labor thing. If I were to be associated with another agency, simply taking Jack to do the hay that day over the summer, where he was picking up 40, 50 pound bales of hay, tossing it onto the back of a flatbed then riding in that flatbed with no seat, no seatbelt, anything like that, I would have gotten crucified. 
yeah. I would have gotten crucified no doubt. for all the safety risks and slave labor and everything because it's hard to put on paper what the benefits are for someone like Jack or even me. Simply being at a farm, engaging in that that heavy lifting and, and, and that that what that does to your um, your vestibular sense and in interoceptive senses and all those that in itself is therapeutic but i am not a therapist and i am not an agency and they are not getting paid and while the three of us are here and we can say that there's no way to put a monetary value on what jack and andrea and christopher and ryan and the other jack and all the people that have participated in the good citizenship project all those benefits that they get a lot of them really recognize is even being therapeutic unless you're in the right circles true true it should it should be where we are evolving to as yes and that's why carla and i put that in the business proposal in that uh to camp marshall that it's like a pr dream because again Autism is now being recognized as something real and almost tangible, depending on who you talk to. And it is, it, it is its own experience. Being autistic, there are benchmarks, but if you were to compare it to, say, Down syndrome, I'd say it's wildly different and there's oh, way yeah. more facets. So variable. Way more facets to autism than, than Down syndrome. And I'm not, I hope I don't sound like I'm, being dismissive of the experience of being having down syndrome i just can only speak to having autism and i know how difficult that is and so it's good to see that it's being recognized being picked up by so many different agencies and funded through the state and the government and it's finally getting the recognition it needs so working at marshall to get on board with this and have the good citizenship project at camp marshall (laughs) Do you know what kind of funding they'd be eligible for? Oh, really? That's Mm -hmm. genius then. Because they could get all sorts of grants simply by saying that they are now including people with autism. As long as we fall, as we adhere to, you know, like that work to ride situation, Carla, that I was talking talking to you about. I cannot suggest that little Bobby is going to go to Camp Marshall clean up shit, put fence posts in and get hot and sweaty and work hard all day and, and come away from that experience with meaning and purpose and have that be enough. We all think it's enough. I'm sure little Bobby's parents would think it was enough, but the way DDS is structured and the state mandates that are out there, that would look like slave labor. So it's necessary that Camp Marshall would be willing to offer lessons to the people yep okay it's the only way to it's the only way to satisfy that aspect of volunteerism well see to me it looks it seems like an apprenticeship is what you're really kind of that'd be a good word to use yep sure because it's an Um, immersive experience yeah yep i mean apprenticeships are often not paid right right certainly when you go to college you do um, internships, internships, right? Yep, right. Yep. And they're not paid, paid, paid very non-paid. infrequently. So Carla, that might be a good word for us to use as an unpaid internship. And then we could talk about how that 
would fit under somebody's resume or their college applications and things like that. Someone that had an unpaid internship through the Good Citizenship Project at Camp Marshall. Ooh, um, yeah, I think I yeah. think I just had a brain fart. Can that's, you smell it? Can you smell it? Yeah, that's. <laughs> Can you see the smoke that, coming out of my ears. See, see, there it is. I do. I do. Um, that might actually work better than work to ride because what if you have someone who really doesn't want to ride? You know, like yeah. What if you have someone working who says, "I, I, I don't want to do that." So right. the internship actually makes makes sense. Or, or you could have. Or you could have a choice, internship or paid or work to ride. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, Carla, you've seen the uh, letters of recommendation. Um, yes. The one that Turn comes to out. mind. They're here. Yeah. It, well, and the one that comes to mind is the one that Jesse wrote talking about the work done by the participants at or the members of GCP at Moonlight Run Farm. And he talks about the skills that have been built and how many people arrived at Moonlight Run without any skills at all in terms of the horses and the chickens. And, you know, I can specifically remember having to show people how to use a pitchfork. It it doesn't sound like it's anything hard, but there's, there's an art. There's a learning curve. And there is, you know, there's an angle to that pitchfork. And if you don't have that angle flush with the ground, then, you know, you're digging into a different part of the pile and, you know, learning how to shake it just the right way so that the shavings fall through, but the manure doesn't fall through, you know, and learning when to use an aluminum shovel versus a pitchfork versus a, a, a snow shovel. And there's different situations for all those tools when you're picking up manure. <laughs> oh, I believe it. Yeah. I, and, I know, you know farming is a, lo- is a big, a lot. It's a lot to know. Yeah. A lot. And, yeah. You know, and I'm learning every time I'm there and Jesse shows me stuff. And, you know, when we used to volunteer over at Alta Vista, Kevin was great because he was really hands off and he'd be like, I need this, this, this and done. I don't care how you do it as long as it gets done, which was perfect. Because yeah. a lot of people on the spectrum, I, I do this myself. I will I'll look at a problem, you know, how to get these wet moldy bales of hay over there into the bucket of the tractor. And you sort of, I don't know if anybody's watched The Good Doctor, but when he looks at something, you can see like all these sketches in the background and, and he sees like the anatomy of the body and he puts everything together. That's kind of what goes on in my head. So it's possible that it happens for other people on the spectrum, but it, I have to, I have to see it work a couple of times. I have to see the mechanism in motion or observe the person doing whatever. And then it kind of, it solves itself in my head. Nine times out of 10, I wouldn't be able to explain to you how to do it. I just have to physically go over and start doing it. And then I can show someone, pick it up here lift it with the, your arm or squat down first or whatever. But the beauty of places like Moonlight Run or Alta Vista is that it allows people on the spectrum to process it like that. Because like I said, neither Jesse or Kevin care. They don't have to do it a regimented way. They can, yeah. Not at all. 
as long as it gets done and it's done correctly at the end, the end product is the way they wanted it, have at it. Take seven hours if you need to, or take 15 minutes, however it works for you. And if you need to, you know, breaks in the between, or, you know, again, a lot of us on the spectrum, we can only attend to something for so long before it gets bored, boring, or our brain starts to over-process and we get the racing thoughts. And then the next thing you know, we're staring off into a corner because we're now flooded. 20 minutes. Most times on the farm, that's okay. Yep. Most times. I mean, if you're working around heavy machinery, like a combine, no, not a good, not a good time for that. But also that's a great learning opportunity, right? This is not the time for you to take a break. If you need a break, you need to say to me, Leanne, I need a break. And then I will provide that for you. So you said real time. I say learning in the moment, but it's hands-on. It happens. So it becomes intuitive or you're tapping your intuitive. Yeah. And Jack is really good at that. Sort of figuring out his own way for doing something utilizing that need to sort of be repetitive and to create a rhythm or a pattern. He's really good at executing and and creating that environment for himself. If you give him the parameters and then step back and you have to have a Montessori approach with Jack, I keep talking about him because you're his mom and I can use him as an example, but generally speaking, that is my approach is give people boundaries of the parameters or the requirements or whatever the rules are, and then step back and allow them to screw up because that's how you like create those pathways Yeah, is if you do it wrong and then you have to fix it, then you remember all. And, you know, it didn't go so well the first time, like I got my, you know, I got the pitchfork stuck underneath the skull mats. So I, I, obviously I can't, can't stand here to do it. I have to stand over there to do it. That's the kind of real time, real life experience that I think is more powerful and sticks with you than reading it in a book or being told you have to stand in the left. Yeah. You have to stand in the left-hand corner when you're shoveling the manure versus standing in the right-hand corner. It doesn't work. Then you have to move your body remembers all of that yeah you know it's not like you have to think of the book or the classroom lesson you know you you've integrated it physically somehow yeah and some people learn differently the people that are most successful at the good citizenship project are the ones that learn that way that because then it's automatic problem solving training. I gave you a couple pointers. If you listen, things go well. If you don't listen, or maybe I spoke too fast and you didn't have time to process or whatever, and it doesn't go well, then we adjust. And you remember that adjustment. Yeah. So then you take that approach when you have a, I'm going to kill the cat. I'm going to kill you. You're dead. He's like, I love you. Which is great when I'm depressed and I want the attention, but right now I want to kill him. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that learning forced problem solving, I guess is the best way to say it, is something that then when you're presented with the next problem to solve, you remember 
that you had to take a couple different approaches to that other thing. And, and then you figured it out. And you, you figured it out and you had that success and no one helped you. So it's all yours. And you don't have to say, Leanne taught me this. You can right. say, I learned. And that's so empowering when you can say you figured a problem out on your own. Like that stays with you. You know what I mean? And then you know you're good at something because you figured it out all by yourself. And no one had to say, no, you know, move it to the left or turn it upside down or whatever. And then when I say I paid supports, that's really what I'm talking about. And that looks different for everyone. Sure. Sometimes I have to sit there and do hand over hand with someone and show them how to physically do that. That's not a person that I would turn loose on a chainsaw. (laughs) Probably not. I mean, Probably I'm not bold and daring and think outside the <laughs> box, but I'm not stupid. You know? Yeah. Uh, we need money. <laughs> we need money. Uh, we need money to expand. I shouldn't say okay. we, I, I need money. The Good Citizenship Project, you know, I'm going to be doing fundraisers. Good. Soon. We tried to do that one, the cider tasting, yeah. but obviously I didn't think that too, through too well. And it was fundraisers on are Sunday. And yeah. Um, you know, I got spoiled with the one that we did this summer because it went so well. And I mean, that went off without a hitch, didn't it, Carla? I mean, it was beautiful. Yes, that was amazing. It was I, just I think if you did a couple seamless. like that in different places, you know, it calls attention to the business as well as, you know, and bringing people in. Like Alta Vista got something out of that. We got exposure, you know. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Other, mm. Maybe other places could use exposure. Well, and the good thing about that was, you know, in the day and age of COVID, and let's face it, it's not going anywhere. And as long as COVID exists or is prevalent, people are not as likely to want to congregate indoors with other strangers. True. Mm -hmm. So even though the cider tasting, I think, was reasonably priced, I think I had it at $85 a ticket, and that included a seven course meal and comedy by Cindy Gray. And I think, you know, dinner and a show That's for really 80, good. 85 bucks and That's you get a nice good. buzz out of it too. I mean, let's, that's a cider tasting seven <laughs> courses of cider and seven courses oh boy. of food. I'd be laying down. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, they're tasting. That's fun though. They were only like three ounce pours or two ounce pours because it was a tasting. Yeah. But I, for 85 bucks, I think, I think that's an amazing deal. I, I mean, I, I may have been known to spend more than that on a night out with dinner and karaoke after. So <laughs> I think $89 is a good deal. In in the age of COVID, where people are still losing their job over it, or they're still at least miss, missing out on hours, so their income is less. A lot um, of uncertainty out there. They, they don't want to spend $85. Yeah. And then, and like I said, it was Super Bowl Sunday. It's indoors, I think. And that was right when the surge hit again, oh, another okay. surge. So I, it just, it was ill-timed. And Common Ground Cider Works is still poised and ready to cool. to do it whenever I want to. And I, I think we're looking at an That's April That's a great idea. Uh, but, you know, we're still looking for a new home, which I guess probably should get discussed. I mean, that's part of the reason for the podcast, right? Sure. To re- yep. awareness and and uh, so we're looking for a home base and and it it's a very specific situation. I 
I have these two goons over there. See them? Say hi. They're sleeping. So I have two dogs that need to come with me. And, and obviously, Eli, the love slut, would come with me too. So already, that limits the farms because, you know, if they have other dogs or whatever, then that has already proven to be a reason that one farm didn't want to want us to come there. They're like, we already have three dogs and two more is just too much. Sorry. Good luck. And I'm finding too that small private barns, you know, the one where maybe it's just them or they have one or two boarders are really nervous to have the special needs population. That's how it was worded to me. Really? Um, people from the special needs population spending time on their, on their farm because it's a huge insurance liability. liability. Yep. Giant. And I have dealt with a farm in the past that didn't want me bringing the members of the Good Citizenship Project there to work with Johnny because he is not a therapy horse and I am not a therapist. So they were afraid that there could be fallout from that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I'm looking for is a live-in caretaker position on a farm that is friendly to the idea that folks like Jack and Andrea and my other Jack and Christopher and all those guys who are wonderfully capable, kind, willing individuals that want to come do farm work will be there. I think there's still a stigma. I think people still make the assumption, oh, they have autism and they're thinking it's going to be, you know, Rain Man. Right. And they don't understand that even the Rain Man at the end of the movie is capable of doing certain things. They're expecting that, you know, something's going to go wrong and the person will start hitting Flip out or yeah, run away. Set, yeah. Set the kitchen on fire. Unfortunate. It's, it's, so it's just heartbreaking that that's what it's come to. And it would take one parent suing um, and, and that farmer would, would have to sell off all of his or her horses and equipment and everything, you know, because we live in such a Sue happy culture. Yeah. Um, Jack making an and- appearance. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> he came in to see what now I was doing. You're just like a floating head. <laughs> He, he was just you. a floating head. Oh, he couldn't hear me? Oops. Oh, because you yeah, have the... He hear me. So you can say hi one I more time. Hi, Leanne. How's it going? <laughs> so you're looking for well, you're looking yeah. for a situation, a specific situation. In, yeah, in, in a nutshell, I need to be able to go live on a person's farm. I would be the one that was ultimately responsible to make sure stuff got done and got done properly and like all the faucets are turned off and the gates are all locked and you know, there's no nail sticking out and stuff, but majority of the labor would be done by the members of the Good Citizenship Project. And, you know, the, I don't, Jill, you know, Carla, you know, I don't, I don't just work with anyone. It's, I got to talk with the, the caregiver, the parent first and make sure that I'm a good match with them. Yeah. And it's then really I need important. to meet the individual and make sure that they are you know, a good match for my personality, but also not a safety concern and willing to, to do this work because it's hard work. It, there's, there's smells and you get dirty and you get wet 
and you get cold and you get hot, it's farm work. So I, I don't just take anybody over to someone's farm. I make sure it's a good fit. I make sure that they're capable of at least learning how to do the work and I will support them and fade supports as needed. But it is a very specific situation because I'm not giving up. I'm happy. I'll say, to I think Johnny you'll find it. If I'm going to move, obviously there will be a period of time where I have to rebuild my clientele. So the, the, there would right. be no members of the Good Citizenship Project left to do the work depending on where I move. So I would need a grace period to to build that up again. And I do have people that I love that are here in the I'd area like for our home base. Donations are always really welcome. I would love for to have someone show me how to set that up where there's just a link on the Facebook page where someone can just oh yeah and make sure you should be able to link that pretty easily. I'll have to look at the steps. Understand that I'm not a non for profit though. I am a for profit person. I can't even say agency. I'm a person that's for profit. And that's the, the, the money that I bring in, this has also been a bone of contention for some people who contact me. When someone pays me an hourly rate, they are not paying me to just be a plain old job coach that points and says, put tab A into slot B. I'm teaching social skills and distress tolerance and interpersonal effectiveness and emotion regulation and mindfulness and how to be kind to animals and problem solving and how to do this in an efficient manner. The whole package, again, I'm not going to do my own porn, but I am, I will, I'm damn good at what I do. Oh, I would absolutely say that. Yes. Your heart is best in the people that I support. Like they become part of my family and I'm, I'm, they're like my nieces or their nephew, my nephew. So Christopher is more like my son. So it, so when people are complaining about or questioning why, and this was literally said to me, so you want me to pay you to make my kid do slave labor? No. The person is uninformed. So just, yeah, people have said that uneducated. when they don't understand what the program is. So, right. yeah. It makes no sense. not anything like that. No, a I, person, I know. If a person is struggling or having a hard time or it's too heavy, or they, I jump right in there. They're there to and learn skills, again, transferable done, skills. They, mm-hmm. they have very transferable Plus. skills. They're marketable, hireable, resume-worthy skills. Yeah. And that, when someone pays me, that money, yeah, it pays for my phone bill and it pays for the car that drives these people around and it pays for the horse that allows them to love on him and it pays for the dogs that bring them so much joy infinite value you know and i would love it if people could afford to pay more than 30 dollars an hour but the whole paradigm of society needs to change too for that to to people to really Mm -hmm. understand the value of what you're offering it's so what's needed on every level, we've we've become this like lab, like externally focused degree. You got to have the degree. You got to have the the resume. You know, we're not thinking long term here about this this particular if population. If I could have focused long enough to complete anything more than associates, I probably would have. But I wasn't actually su- so successful at school until I was in my thirties, when I my my brain had matured, my maturity had matured, my ability to focus and retain information 
had matured. And, you know, between you, me, and these four walls, I went to Salter, Salter College, <laughs> which is now defunct and is being investigated yeah, by everyone and everything, Sally Mae and all of them. But you know what? It was trade-based education. So I went there to get, become a medical assistant. Mm-hmm. And I, I graduated summa cum laude because all I was doing was focusing on medical assistant based courses. Therefore I was interested in it and it all made sense. Yep. And yep. I, I, I love the way the human body works again, reference to the good doctor. Like <laughs> I love the way the body works. I love the, the mechanics of it all. And I was able to learn and do well because I was ready to do that. Mm-hmm. Ask me to sit down and go even now at 47 years old go to college like a normal college experience i'd plunk out it's well again our education system is not designed for anybody that's outside of the very narrow little strip of what Mm -hmm. they what's it's i think most a lot of people would benefit from very alternative styles of you know higher education sure and there's real value in jobs that don't require a degree there is real value in being a farmer if we didn't have farmers we wouldn't have food oh yeah i think people are starting to wake up to that i see little people becoming much more interested in farming at least you know whether they have the right approach there's a lot more they have to wake up to (laughs) oh i just said yes people are starting to recognize that farms are vital to our survival and probably more so as we move forward, but they need to recognize other things. Like you were talking about earlier that when people think autistic, they have that one picture in mind. They, they don't see the, the big picture. They don't see the scope. all the good there. The scope. Agreed. The, the, yeah, scope, perfect word, Joe. I believe it's Ford Motor Company. I could be wrong. But I think it's Ford Motor Company that about five years ago launched um, a program where they were seeking out people with autism to hire exclusively because mm-hmm. of attention to detail and all that yep. kind of stuff. You know, so it's it's coming. It's coming. But if we look at the civil rights movement, we can obviously just because <laughs> the ball is rolling doesn't mean things are going to be solved anytime soon, but it's, right. it's a start. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I'm hoping one of the reasons I like staying small is because I can, I can focus on, on a person when I'm with them and mm-hmm. I can get to know them. And I don't know how to teach that to someone else. It has mm-hmm. to be something they do on their own. But yeah. An instinct. Yeah. I, I, I call it, being part of the being an, an empath empath I was gonna or say I just, empathic skills I, I sometimes mm. I just know and if someone say yeah. How, how'd you know I don't know sometimes yeah. I can do it with the dogs or the horses and I just if someone's sick or they're acting funny or whatever I can I, I think one of the long-term goals for the good citizenship project or a part of the, oh actually maybe this would be a part of the mission statement is to just raise awareness about autism as an experience and and who an autistic person is is i don't know how to say 
you know, when you look at a can of Campbell's tomato soup, there's tomatoes in it. But that's not all that's in there. So you can call it tomato soup, but you have to recognize that there's water and probably celery salt. Right. Whatever. So a label is a label and that and it helps you. It gives you a point to start from and a direct to go with in terms of how to respond to a person and interact with them. But you gotta read the rest of the label. I mean, probably don't want to add maple syrup to tomato soup. So you gotta think about it, you know? And I think the Good Citizenship Project has the potential to sort of inject that perspective into a whole other culture, meaning farming, and mm. allow the farming community and the horse community, which can be very exclusive, benefits allowing someone with autism to participate in their world. That they might actually make more of a contribution than they ever would imagine. Right. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. And I, I think and we're starting that. I think people I, I'm starting to get some feedback like, oh, you're the good citizenship lady. I love what you do. Da, da, da. Okay, good. Yay. Yes, uh, word of mouth <laughs> is huge. I share, yeah. I mean, people and, on my timeline are loving all the stuff that you share. So yeah, and I think it has more clout than even a really well put together website. Absolutely. Um, I think you're inspiring other people to think out of the box about what, what kind of programs might be relevant for what they have knowledge to, to teach or to learn from the disadvantaged population. So whether it expands or whether you inspire, it's just really a beautiful thing. Well, and work. that was right. And there you go. And there's that's the whole nature of the Good Citizenship Project is to help others, right? Yep. So yep. Yep. I stay small, and I, you know, a, a very kind person, you know, she heard that I was kind of getting panicky because you know the move out date here is June first. It's not oh, June second. Okay. It's okay. not, you know, it. There is no alternative as of. May 31st at midnight, I'm out of here. Whether or not I have a place to go, doesn't matter. So, you know, a, friend, a, a very kind person, a friend of mine reached out and she's like, look, I know it's not ideal, but if, if you needed to, we have a camper in the oh. backyard and, you, you know, you're welcome to it. It's got heat, it's got electricity, you know, you can bring the dogs, you know, and if you guys want to help out around our house with, with the animals, that's great too. So it's, and that's all because of the Good Citizenship Project. Mm -hmm. if, if I hadn't arranged to help out their animals, then she wouldn't know who I am and I wouldn't have gotten that offer. And I think that's that's the whole point right there. Yes. You do good things and good things come back. And it's 2022 and so many people are entitled and they expect something for every little thing they do and, you know well I, I can litter box where's my five dollars oh honey you have a cat as a pet that's your payment you know <laughs> yeah um, so true oh yeah. I could go on about that for so long but yeah I won't. so <laughs> I think I'm hoping that the good citizenship project helps to spread that message be kind to others and it has its own payment. 
And if you're doing it for payment, then don't do it. Just, just don't do it. You know, I think, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's, 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 so I guess that's my message. Send us money. No, <laughs> Dan, did you hear that? We gotta figure that out. Carla, I didn't really introduce you, and I, I know that you're helping <laughs> you're helping Leanne with her business plan. I know you have a background in special ed, and if you want to give yourself a shout out, please go ahead. Because I'm gonna yeah. let this be Leanne's show. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, thank I, you. I a little bit of recognition because she's probably the world's best cheerleader. And from the very beginning, way awesome. back when I first started to try the very first fundraiser with the GoFundMe page, she just jumped right in and, you know, picked up the cause. And despite uh, what could have possibly been a really bad experience, <laughs> person that I won't even, I'm not even going to dignify with. Yeah, mention. don't do that. Um, Someone who has their own little podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here we are now, and she's just been incredibly supportive. And she reaches out, you know, what do you need? How's it going? Like, she's putting home, she put together the whole business proposal. She redid my resume for me. She's printing out all these letters of recommendation. Thank you, by the way, Jill, for yours. You're welcome. Um, and, uh, you know, awesome. that's going to be the crux. Because I think the program is so fabulous, and I have never seen anything like like yeah it, even yeah. in vermont and it's just so good but all the way around for, so it's a win-win yeah. all the way around well maybe anyway. some really generous philanthropist kind of person will hear about it and then they'll be yep. like hey let me buy you that farm in holden on the princeton sterling line wink wink and, it and, could happen yeah that's what we need <laughs> yep that's what we need okay we're setting that intention so thank you very yeah, much no, everybody <laughs> That was it. All right. Thanks, Jill. Thank, Thank you, Carla. Guys. Thank you, Leanne. Take care. Have a good day. Thanks, Leanne. You too. Bye, guys. Bye. -bye.